Did you know at Kroger, shopping online with pickup and delivery is the same as shopping in-store? Same low prices, same personalized deals, same rewards, with no hidden fees or markups on your same family favorites, like Honeycrisp apples and pasta sauce. The only difference is you don't have to put on shoes. Start your cart today at Kroger.com. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Good afternoon, everyone, and uh, welcome to our fifth special needs hangout. I'm your host, Sylvia Moramu Chabo, uh, founder of Andy Speaks for Special Needs Persons. And as usual, it's always a pleasure to have you here and to be able to support you as caregivers, to support our families and friends, so that we ensure that there is some sort of continuity even during these tough times. So we focus on the things that matter most to us. And today we shall be having two very special guests. Uh, we are hoping our US guests will be able to join us. We have a, a small hitch because of the issues of time zones because they're like eight hours behind, but she's doing her best to join us. So that is great. I can see we have uh, several people joining. All of you, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, last weekend, we had taken a break because uh, we also want to give you some time to just let you take care of yourself and uh, so that that way you will be able to take care of everyone else. So we will be giving you the last Saturday of the month, at least it's payday and at least you can do something okay for us, for those who at least have a job, uh, for the self-employed and some of us who have. So thank you all for joining us. And uh, I want to introduce to you Esther. Esther is here with us. Esther is the head teacher of KCCL and she's been in the special needs space for a very long time. And I'm glad that she could at least take the time to be uh, with us today and enable um, us as parents to take a dive into the special needs space and get a highlight of exactly what is going on right now in schools, what should we be doing at home now that, uh, I don't know if I'm alone in this, but have tried to do homework. I just see it piling and it's a bit difficult. So Esther, if you would, the floor is yours. Kindly take the floor and um, at least uh, enlighten us and guide us. Thank you. And also remember to introduce yourself fully. All right. Thank you very much, Sylvia. I'm delighted to be part of this conversation. I don't know whether it's okay to have my video off. Yes, uh, I, most people like seeing the speaker. I remember the last time. All right, all right. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah, so as I've said, uh, I'm very delighted to be part of this initiative and I must um, appreciate the work that uh, Sylvia is doing through Andy Speaks. I think uh, since uh, COVID-19, uh, visited our country. I, I, I know that Sylvia has been very, very active, engaging, especially the special needs community, providing resources and supports that uh, will enable parents and the special needs community to cope during this time. So Sylvia, well done. And uh, I know it is not easy, but I really admire your energy, your resilience, 
and always being there for the special needs community. So well done. Yeah, so today we will uh, look at uh, homeschooling during the COVID-19 uh, uh, times that we find ourselves in. And uh, as you all know, this was very much uh, unprecedented. It is something that um, no one saw coming and uh, within a day's notice or a week's notice, learning has to, had to be converted virtually. That is for those that are learning virtually or uh, learn, uh, schools had to be transitioned to homes. For the, and uh, that is the situation we find ourselves in. And I believe uh, that forms the context of our uh, conversation today. So I can see we have, um, we, we have a good uh, uh, number that uh, has joined us and I believe others are still joining. So as I was looking at um, the issue of uh, homeschooling, I thought uh, probably I'll be addressing two categories of parents. I believe uh, probably I'll be addressing parents whose children are taking the online uh, classes and uh, parents whose children are not taking the online classes. And that means that um, the parents uh, have, uh, have taken up the role of the teacher at home. But even for those that have taken up the online classes, I still believe that parents uh, still form a very uh, integral part of the, ch of the children's learning. Because what is happening is that the contact time that the teachers have with the students is still very minimal. And things like assignments, even just helping your child access the online classes, most of them may be able to do it uh, independently because again, we have varied, uh, our children have varied needs. They have varied levels of independence. So if, for example, I would give an example with myself, and sorry, did I even introduce myself, Sylvia? <laughs> you had already done the introduction, so. I had done, but I said, I said KCCL, so if you could just like give us a teach bit of history of how long you've been in the space and, and your experience, so that at least people will understand where you're coming from. That would be All right. because I All just. Right. Uh, okay. All right, thank you. Yeah, so. As Sylvia has said, my name is Esther Wamai. I'm a special needs educator. I've been in the space of special education for the last uh, 15 years, having taught uh, in a number of schools that offer inclusive education for learners with special needs. I'm currently at Kenya Community Center for Learning that we fondly refer to as KCCL. I am the principal and uh, we cater for learners with uh, diverse learning challenges as a result of um, different, different neurodevelopmental conditions. So we have uh, children on the autism spectrum. We have uh, students with uh, learning challenges such as dyslexia. We have uh, students with Down syndrome, others with um, communication and hearing impairments or any other any other developmental issue that uh, impedes learning and uh, and a child may not fit in the in the mainstream school so those are the children that we support 
and um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited that uh, today I'll be interacting with the, with the parents. I think I can even uh, see my student is <laughs> uh, also a participant today. And uh, so we, just like any other school in the, in the country and uh, in the world at large, we also have found ourselves in this unprecedented time where school has transitioned to home and uh, teachers are having a very difficult time, especially teachers of children with special needs. Because I think for the typical learners, since they're independent learners, the learning may be a bit uh, smoother for them. But for learners with special needs education, it's a, it, it, it can be a bit challenging, or rather it's a bit challenging for the teachers, for the parents, and even for the learners themselves, where learning has uh, transitioned either virtually or, uh, or at, at home. So I, as I maybe address the issue of homeschooling for, a parent, for parents of uh, special needs children, I would like to, of course, maybe look at the challenges that uh, the parents have found themselves in. And uh, we all know that uh, children with special needs have a preference, a very high preference for routine. And one of the things that COVID-19 uh, did for our children is to disrupt that routine. And uh, without disruption, many challenges uh, will come with it. I'm sure parents have noted some level of anxiety among their children. And uh, I, I, I have been engaging my, my, my students. I, I, I have two classes that, that I'm teaching online. And uh, so I, I also have been engaging the students and I just want to hear what are the voices, the children voices um, as far as COVID-19 is concerned. And uh, from their own um, mouth, they have talked about uh, anxiety they have talked about isolation, they've talked about boredom, they've talked about missing the, the, the things that they love doing, they are talking about missing school, missing their friends and teachers. So there's, there's a whole range of uh, emotions that the children are going through. And uh, it's important that as parents, we are very uh, uh, conscious uh, of the feelings that our children are going through so that uh, we are able to support them. So even as we talk about homeschooling, we are not just looking at the learning part of the child. I think we need to be very uh, comprehensive as we look at the needs of our children. So of course, their educational needs and uh, the educational gaps that um, have uh, arisen due to the extended closures of school, but there are also other secondary challenges that uh, have come with that. And as I've said, the lockdown, the fact that children cannot go out to play with their peers, they can go to school, they can go to church. And so this has caused a lot of anxiety among the children. So even as you address uh, the education needs for your child, it is important that you also address the social emotional needs and even the psychological needs as well. So that is very important. So now back to education, because uh, I think that uh, is the main uh, topic for the day. 
Uh, as I said, uh, I, I'm assuming I'm addressing two categories of parents. Parents whose children, uh, depending on the schools that they are going to, uh, their children are accessing uh, online learning, or those that uh, are not accessing online learning for two things. The school may even have uh, deployed online learning, but the nature of children with some children with special needs, um, they, they may not... Um, they may not access uh, virtual uh, learning because of some challenges that they may be having. I know even from our school, we have a, a number of students that we that are not accessing the virtual learning they, because they may have uh, attention issues. They have uh, they may have challenges uh, focusing, and um, they are not able to. You cannot engage them virtually, so that has uh, forced us to uh, look at other alternative options and methods because we still want to drive engagement with our with our learners. We want to have um, a focused uh, focused learning with our learners, and therefore, if the virtual classes do not work for them, uh, then we have to come up with alternatives. So, as parents. In the event that your school has deployed uh, the virtual classes, the online learning, and uh, your child is not able to attend the classes, the virtual classes, um, my advice would be engage your school and uh, explore the different uh, options, alternatives that are available. One of the alternatives that is available for uh, for learners with special needs if they are not able to attend the virtual classes is um, you can engage your te the teacher or the teachers who are teaching your child and they can come up with digital content uh, in terms of uh, videos uh, or um, coming up with PowerPoint uh, presentation, very, very visual because uh, our children are visual learners. So just having uh, content and of course assignments and uh, what you're calling homework pack, because at the end of the day, I'm sure our fears as parents is uh, regression. Every parent is, uh, is talking about regression, and that's the biggest fear. So whether your child is able to access uh, virtual learning or not, there are other alternatives that uh, you can do, to, or rather there are strategies that you can employ to keep your child engaged. So either working with your school or even on your own, because we have a lot of resources online that can help you support your child uh, at home. So, if so, I, I'd want to just give a, a few tips that, uh, as a parent, you can employ to support your child uh, during homeschooling. And uh, the first thing is, is uh, you need to set up a learning space. This is very, very important. We've talked about our children loving routine. We've talked about then they also love consistency. So it would be important that we come up with a space that um, the child will be able to identify with as a learning space. So that space, uh, if you're able to replicate, okay, I'm, 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 I don't mean maybe bringing a class 
to your to your to your home but if they can if you can create a space that uh, gives a sense of uh, learning uh, to your child that would be very helpful and then be consistent with this space so that this is uh, uh, where the child knows uh, this is where i need to be in order to learn so that uh, today they are not uh, maybe learning from the bedroom to tomorrow they are learning from the sitting room or they are learning from different spaces every other time that kills consistency and uh, knowing that our children thrive in routine and consistency it is very important that uh, you set up that learning space that learning space should also maybe be free of distraction should your if your child is taking virtual classes it is very important that the, you create a, a very conducive environment for your child so if um, they are taking the virtual classes ensure that there's no background uh, noise or, or, or any distraction that will distract the child while taking the lessons even where the child is um, not taking the virtual classes they are probably working and they have some uh, pack they have received from school or there are some resources as a parent you have uh, acquired for your child so ensure that uh, the space is still uh, distraction free and that at least uh, it has some semblance of, uh, of of learning that is very very important so the other tip is once you have set up a, a learning space for your child it is very important that you create structure and routine. I've talked about uh, the, the need for children with special needs to operate uh, under, uh, under routine. And this I know we can all uh, identify. So structure and routine. This is very important because first of all, when the child uh, knows that uh, there's a structure that I will wake up, and do this followed by this and um, that will be happening throughout the week or throughout the month it helps to reduce uh, anxiety and you know if the child is dealing with anxiety that's how we end up with meltdowns that's how we end up with tantra so creating a structure helps and uh, again knowing that uh, most of our children could be might be non-verbal it's important that this structure and uh, routine is, uh, is is sensitive to the needs of, our, of, of the child. So if the child is non-verbal, it helps to create uh, visual aids for the child. Remember, most of our children may not have understanding for the passage of time. So you, we, we, we may not tell them that we'll be learning for an hour. Then in the next one hour, you'll have a 30 minutes break then maybe in the afternoon. So some of those concepts of time may not be within our children, uh, our, our, our children's vocabulary, but uh, it would help if you come up with a visual timetable. And uh, it could the, the visual timetable could be maybe pictures of the activities that will be happening. So if the first activity in the morning is reading, maybe a picture of a book would help if it's uh, activities of daily learning, then all these uh, resources are, are available for free online. So even the visual planner or the visual timetable that you can uh, have for your child to create and establish that routine, you do not need to reinvent the wheel. 
those are resources that are available online. So it is important and once the child has, once you have created the structure, it helps in building the routine. So that's um, another tip. Then uh, the other tip is uh, it is important uh, to put together a homework plan. One of the challenges that um, we are facing as a school and with, with our parents is uh, on helping the homework because uh, we, of course, once learning is, is taking part, this, this homework that is followed uh, by, by the learning. And this is not just for children with special needs, even for the typical learners. Um, in, in, in a school environment, the, 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 the learning is controlled and the structure. But uh, we, we are now in a, in a new environment, a new learning environment, where you, the parent, has, is, is forced to take up the, the role of the teacher, you're taking up the role of a parent, and for some even the role of, of therapists. And um, it doesn't even help uh, matters to imagine that maybe you have other children that you have to tend to. You have your uh, work obligations for those that are working. And trying to balance all that can be a very daunting task as a as a parent. But uh, since we need to drive engagement, since uh, teachers uh, still need to send homework uh, home so that uh, they can evaluate how, they, how your child understood a concept, um, so it is very important then you come up with a homework plan. And uh, this helps in um, in independent learning, once you have a homework plan, it helps in independent learning for your child, and it also helps them to complete uh, to, to complete the assignment. And and by a plan here, I I mean uh, maybe creating time, setting uh, setting aside uh, time for the homework to be done, so that it is uh, not done in a haphazard way. It is not done in a manner that. Uh, it's left maybe to the whims of the child or you as a parent for the child to, to, to do the homework. So, but if there's a plan, so for instance, uh, maybe in the visual timetable, you can have a slot uh, when you know your child is, uh, is calm and uh, has, has the energy to, take, to, to work on the, on the homework. So, it could be maybe late in the in the in the afternoon after they have done their day's uh, learning, so that uh, again the, the the homework is not conflicting with with other activities, and uh, so that again the child doesn't feel like uh, homework is a punishment. So it it helps to set uh, some time that um, the child can can do the homework. So this will, uh, of course, help the child uh, to be independent because if they know, I usually do my homework at 3 p.m. For those that are independent, they'll independently uh, go and sit down and start doing their homework. But um, for those that are not uh, in, um, independent as a parent or whoever, the caregiver or whoever is supporting the child in uh, doing the homework knows that um, there's a structured time for that. Then uh, the other thing is that even for, uh, as part of the homework plan, if the homework is coming from the teachers, for those uh, who have engaged uh, their, their teachers, it is important that um, the teacher explains clearly 
support the homework, the expectations of the homework. Otherwise, if this is not done, it can lead to confusion and uh, it may not uh, serve the, the purpose or the objective because homework is not a babysitter. And, and I've always even told this, the, the, the teachers and parents that. So sometimes as parents, and, and I'm a victim of this, is uh, you, you, you want uh, your children to have homework and, and a lot of it so that it acts as a babysitter so that uh, while the child is working on the homework, you can do something else. Well, yes, to some purpose, it may, to some extent, it may serve that purpose, but the, 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 the true uh, objective or meaning of homework is that is for the teacher to be able to evaluate a concept that was taught and see how the child uh, mastered uh, that, that concept. So that is why it is very important. If a, per, if a child or rather if a teacher is sending homework home, it is very important as a parent that um, if there's no, if it's not clear what the homework is, is meant, how the homework is meant to be done, seek that clarification so that uh, the homework can be done uh, well and uh, it meets the purpose that it was supposed to meet. Then um, and the, the, the other tip uh, for homeschooling is uh, it is important as a parent to use your child's special interest in learning. So by so doing, if you are able to tap into that special interest that your child has, this will enhance learning. And uh, one of the things that uh, it also, the other thing that it also achieves is that uh, it helps in managing uh, anxiety. So I, I, I want to give an example of uh, using your child's special interest uh, to learn. Uh, if your child uh, loves uh, using uh, Lego or what you call blocks, then you can use those blocks to teach mathematics. So you can actually use um, uh, the, the, the tools or the resources that you have at home that your child, that your child loves to, to and use them for learning. So by so doing, you will manage anxiety because as the child is using those, um, uh, the special interest to learn, the they'll be calm or they'll calm themselves and they, it, it reduces their anxiety. So even for teachers, we advise that the teachers, but now in this case, uh, the teacher is you, the parent, who is uh, currently at home with your child. So adapt um, your teaching strategies to incorporate your child's interest. And I've given that example of using the blocks to teach mathematics, uh, mathematical concepts like uh, the addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. So that is one way of using, or rather one benefit of using your child's interest in learning. The other thing is that uh, once you use your child's interest in learning, it will increase the child's engagement in learning tasks because they'll focus more on the activity, uh, on that activity, uh, because they feel it is important to them. Like uh, if they use the blocks to, to, to play, they already, they, they may not even, so they may not even realize that they are learning, but the fact that they have interest in that activity of uh, working with the blocks, that, 
that uh, boosts or enhances the engagement of the child. So it is very important as uh, you're supporting your, your children during this time to be able to determine what their special interests are and tap into those special interests to engage them while learning. So that is very, very important. And uh, another very important tip that uh, parents can uh, use during this time of homeschooling is the uh, use of technology. And uh, in this, uh, the beauty of technology is that uh, it will aid instruction and help students learn a range of skills. So this is what we call assistive technology. And uh, I'm sure most of you parents can attest uh, to it that um, even uh, pre-COVID, uh, when, when schools uh, are on, our, um, our, our children love gadgets, they love uh, technology, and uh, most of them are even able to engage uh, better with the technology. That is uh, through, the, that's the, the beauty of um, assistive technology. And uh, what um, technology does, it assists our children in understanding task requirements. Sorry, Esther, I think we lost you for a second. Just one second. Just one second. Okay. Okay, I've unmuted. Okay, good. All right. Yeah, so most, uh, most of our learners, actually majority of our learners are visual learners. And therefore, once we deploy technology for them, it uh, helps them understand the task requirements. It aids in communication, and it even helps them in completion of tasks. And um, this is uh, very evident. In fact, uh, right now, we have noted even among uh, my students, since we deployed the online learning for those that um, are taking the online classes, the teachers have uh, observed that the students um, are actually learning better, they're improving and acquiring skills uh, uh, better than uh, if you, you're engaging them in, uh, in uh, lecturing method. So technology comes in very easy. So that is one way we can also support our, our children at home using technology. And uh, we have many apps that uh, are available, either free or maybe at a minimal fee that uh, we can, we can uh, deploy to help our learners uh, with assistive technology. And uh, so the other tip that uh, as parents you can use or strategy that as a parent you can use is uh, find ways to connect your child to others. I said uh, as I'm engaging my students, one of the things that is uh, emerging very strongly among all the students and these cuts across the board is the feeling of isolation and feeling of loneliness. Most of the, you know, that most of the children with special needs, uh, they have a very 
limited circle circle of friends or their social circle is uh, limited and in most cases it is limited to friends um, in school and uh, maybe a few in the neighborhood or maybe a few in church but uh, i i tend uh, to see that uh, school is where um, the children have uh, most of their friends and the fact that um, that uh, that link has been cut out that has left our children feeling lonely and feeling isolated however all is not lost because as a parent you can find ways to, con to connect your child with others of course um, thanks to technology your child can still be able to connect with with other children and um, it is very important that social connectedness is very important so you can uh, find out um, or uh, you may know who your child's friends are who their classmates are and try to hook them up with their with your friends uh, through um, the social media whatsapp a call uh, for those that maybe can chat uh, because we we have uh, uh, children who may be able to chat with their friends that is also uh, very important so as a parent it is important that uh, your child connects with others and uh, others here we talk, we are talking about friends and even family because we have uh, children who are very close with their cousins or, or even their aunties uh, so it's it's good that um, we connect them so and one of the ways um, my I've, I've been asking my 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 students fine you're feeling this way what uh, coping mechanisms are you are you employing to be able to cope with the situation that uh, you're in and one of the things they have uh, strongly brought out is that uh, they are reaching out to their schoolmates they are reaching out to their classmates and uh, once they share the experiences they realize that they are not alone and um, they're able to encourage each other some are even able to consult each other on the learning tasks that uh, they have been given and um, it has helped a great deal for them to to still uh, feel that sense and that uh, semblance of social connectedness so this is very important and uh, as parents it is important that you foster that for your child so last but not least uh, it is important as a parent to seek help and don't try to do everything because uh, as, uh, this sometimes uh, is, is very common and uh, sometimes as a mother we feel that we have enough resources to handle things um, uh, alone on ourselves but eventually what that, uh, ha what that leads to is that uh, you realize that you will burn out so it is important to seek respite and um, by respite here of course i know in uh, in the ordinary times that uh, we we were in pre-covid i've always advised parents to seek respite in form of maybe if you have uh, somebody who can take care of your of the child of, or the children uh, for even if it's for an hour or a day so that you have time to yourself it is very important i know now we in times that that may not be possible with the quarantine i mean the 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 
restrictions of movement, the cessation of movement, and of course now you don't want to expose your child. So that means um, uh, we are all cooped up in the house in the houses, and uh, we are having to spend more time with the children. But I believe even within the family, we have um, um, supports that we can take care, that we can make use of. We, we have the siblings of the children, we have uh, maybe the, the house managers or any other support uh, that you use uh, you, or rather that you have at your disposal. So please use that support, uh, avoid uh, having to do everything. Then of course now most importantly when it comes to, to learning, it is important that um, you, you engage your child's teacher. Whether the child is doing uh, online teaching or not, I still believe that um, teachers have uh, a big role in uh, guiding us as parents on how to help our teachers. And this is uh, it's still possible uh, virtually, so you can engage your, 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 the teacher of your child either by having a call or, or email and uh, even videos that um, can help them or even uh, a platform like Zoom because with the screen share you can uh, the teacher can actually demonstrate or um, explain to you how they will help uh, how you will be able to help your child. Uh, the other very important um, support system for your child for those that are on therapies are the therapists. I know this is one of the things that uh, Sylvia was very uh, very concerned about at the beginning just like all of us how are our children going to access the therapy so you can't bring the therapists uh, in the house it is, it is it is a risky affair you cannot take the child uh, for the therapy because that has been cut out because uh, these were services that they were, <clears throat> sorry, these were services that were accessing in school. But now with the closures of school, the support system have been abruptly cut from our, from our children. So, but uh, thanks to technology, there's a lot of teletherapy that is uh, taking place virtually. So it is still possible for you to access uh, the, the services that your child was accessing before virtually. And I believe that um, <clears throat> all the professionals who are involved in your child's uh, uh, intervention plan uh, are uh, flexible enough to devise, uh, to innovate ways that uh, can help your child. So my plea is that please don't do everything on your own, seek help, reach out to other parents. Uh, thankfully, we have Sylvia here who has been very instrumental in connecting parents with other parents, connecting parents with professionals to offer supports and resources that uh, will help us all cope and manage during these uh, very unsettling times. We, I, I, I know we have uh, other platforms, social media platforms of, uh, or su support groups where parents um, are drawing um, a lot of experiences from each other. So that engagement is very, very helpful because you'll be able to learn something or two that uh, can help you support your child. So I would like to first end there and uh, take it back to Sylvia to take us uh, to the next step. Thank you, Sylvia. 
Thank you, Esther. Always a pleasure engaging with you in the world of knowledge. And I'm glad that you've also insisted on the same that I always say, do not forget yourself. Take a break when it's necessary. But we all know sometimes you would want to do it so badly, but due to the circumstance, you just either can't because we have limited support, we have variants, everything now is new and you think twice before doing it. So uh, I will open the floor for questions. You can please either raise your hand to ask a question. The essence of a hangout is so that you have that one-on-one -on -one access to engage with the specialists. Uh, we've not yet heard from our second guest speaker. Maybe we shall bring her on board next time again to, to discuss if she doesn't catch up with us because normally we do a one and a half hour session because now when we open the floor, it takes a bit longer. But my main question now to you, Esther, because uh, at the end of the day, I'm also a parent and I, I feel the pain, walk the journey. And my greatest challenge has been uh, having two special children, um, one having ADHD, the other one being autistic, and they have very, very different learning styles. Uh, we've tried having different routines, like we do, let's say painting, we not like coloring with Andrew, and Bradley does fine motor skills, and then interchange them, but then keeping them engaged. What is the advisable time frame? Like how long should you have an activity so that they don't also uh, get bored? Because uh, Andrew would rather anytime be on a tablet or any electric gadget to learn through song and stuff. But remember, we still have all this other homework that has come from school and he doesn't seem to enjoy that at all. So every week I have a pile of homework that needs to get done. Then I have a child who does not want to do this homework. So um, how, how creative can we get or how do we get through these moments? All right. Thank you very much, Sylvia, for that uh, question. And uh, I know it must be tough for you because uh, it's already tough having one. So when there are two, it is uh, even tougher. But uh, I, I thank God that uh, you still have the strength to be able to support the boys. So one of the things uh, I, I want to tell you, Sylvia, is that um, what your, your boys are going through is not uh, anything unique to them. I've been receiving calls from parents from my school telling me that the children do not want anything to do with schoolwork. In fact, um, one told me once they open the laptop to be able to access the online classes, the child goes into a tantrum, almost a meltdown, and they literally run away and they do not want to, to learn. And uh, of course, uh, at that point, uh, maybe there's very little you can do as as uh, as a parent. However, I think that's that's very common, and uh, I believe those are those are some of the challenges that our children are having to go through with the new normal, the change in routine. Because I'm sure for your boys, they identify they identify learning more in school not at home so probably home so long as they have spent a day at home even if there's homework in the evening the fact that they have been at home now they understand that uh, now it is time for homework that came from home but for them processing that uh, we are all going to school and now school is happening at home that is still a big challenge for for most of the children and it is something the parents are having to struggle with 
to help uh, and remember most of these children have very limited communication so just to help them understand that uh, this is our new normal and this is our new environment for learning so when it comes to the engagement because uh, again uh, we can't uh, give up we still have to seek out uh, look out for ways to engage uh, to drive engagement uh, with the children it it would be it would help as i said maybe to start uh, at the beginning start with very limited time even 10 minutes of uh, meaningful engagement it is better than maybe one hour where the child is uh, distracted, they are not focused, they, they are anxious. So if it could help, even if you start with five, five minutes and uh, or rather even 10 minutes, and of course with a lot of uh, positive reinforcement, uh, positive appraisals, the child uh, will eventually maybe be able to transition from 10 minutes to 20 minutes. But uh, anything beyond 30 minutes, I think that would be too long. So if you can keep it at 30, but again, vary the activities so that they are not on the same activity uh, for so long. So it could be a coloring activity, it could be a drawing activity, it could be maybe uh, playing with the Lego for, for activities of daily la uh, learning, it could be a brushing their teeth activity, it could be washing hands activity. So if you could vary the activities, even if maybe they are short activities, but the child is engaged, the child has uh, interest, uh, and, and uh, you, you, you've been able to maintain uh, that interest, that is more helpful. But again, there's no, maybe there's no uh, single way of doing it, um, or rather there's no one way that applies to all, all the children. So I always say as, as a parent, you, you, you're still the best judge to be able to know that the child is not um, interested in this activity. So how can, it, how can I make it more interesting? And maybe I can uh, contain the interest and focus for the next 10 minutes. And before that uh, interest fades out, you quickly shift to something else or give them a break and uh, be able to, to resume. So it's usually more of uh, maybe trial and error. And eventually as a parent, you're able to see what is that that piques your child's interest. Right. Thank you. Um, any other questions? Uh, yeah. There is a comment. Um, I'm having the same challenge with my son. All he wants to is travel up country. My mention of class is met with screaming and translating to a meltdown. But he wants activity with mama. So we do a routine class every day where we do various activities, coloring, cutting, sticking pictures. We use PEC and other materials for learning. At least that, that, that is um, something I, I believe I can adopt. Mm. Um, but the, my main challenge most of the time also when it comes to the mess that comes with the hyperactivity <laughs> that mm. is involved with also now becomes an added um, point of stress so you just try and balance I think the best we have experienced so far was um, half an hour of one person uh, so long as we have we have zero electronics and give different engagements one of the other questions that had come in and one of the challenges I also experienced is um, my, my, my youngest is both left and right-handed mm -hmm. and when I'm giving him like something like to color he will 
try with the right hand stop, try with the left hand stop. I've also tried, so I don't know which one to focus on. I just let him do it, but he's still trying to work with the fine motor skills. I tried to move to use the gadget for the same where they're tracing with the finger. But the challenge is uh, most gadgets when they're guiding on how to write, it's always the sequence for like the way if you're writing, oh, it's this way. He's left-handed, so that becomes a challenge. He wants to go opposite, so it never goes away. Um, I don't know what, what, what guidance or what advice you'd have for that when, it's, uh, when we're dealing with that issue of a child being both right hand and, and left hand and then fine motor skills so that we can settle on which hand to work with. Uh, what would be your advice, Esther? All right. So when it comes to the right uh, left hand orientation, I always advise the parents to let the child be. Of course, there's a lot of uh, cultural um, positions on right and left-handedness. And um, I think from that uh, socialization that the ideal orientation is the right. It has forced many parents to force their, um, their children to transition from the left hand to the right hand. And uh, that comes with its own complication because it's, it's all, uh, it's all uh, wired from the brain. And so what I always advise the parents is that if your child um, is left-handed, let them use the left hand. But you find that uh, we, have, uh, we have children whose uh, orientation is not uh, fully defined. And there are instances where they're using the right hand and uh, other instances they're using the left, the left uh, right, uh, right or left or both. And uh, so when it comes to that, I always say with time, the child will be able to, the, the, the dominant hand will still prevail. But if, if where the the orientation is already defined if it is left. I have always told the, 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 the parents, please don't, uh, don't stress the child with uh, having to transition them to, to the right. And uh, if the child can comfortably write, even if they can comfortably do the activities using the left hand as their dominant hand, there's no harm. However, when it comes to the issue of the gadgets, like you have explained, I think that is one of the challenges that we have uh, in, uh, in accessibility uh, or, or rather inclusion, even when it comes to technology, because uh, I think uh, most companies will, uh, will come up with products with the right-handed people in, in mind. So maybe those are some of the things that uh, as parents I've always said we need to lobby because from our own experiences, from our own challenges, if we bring it out maybe to the, to, to, to the people who are coming up with these products, maybe it was not intentional that they are leaving the left-handed uh, uh, children or people, but it, it may just not have occurred to them. And uh, so those are some of the things. Of course, this is not a, 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 a short-term uh, remedy to the problem, but uh, I know it can be very challenging. However, maybe as a parent, it's just maybe to see how uh, your son can, can navigate that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Is there anyone else? I see we have several teachers on the floor. I would like to give uh, room for one teacher to just share with us. What challenges have you experienced 
um, like with online learning. And apart from that, maybe the issues that parents are facing and if there is any parent who's tried to do homeschooling, I know one of the other challenges that we have is you may want to do something, but we have limitation on what to use as our support aid. Um, Esther, uh, as we are waiting for someone to raise Hello? their hand and stuff like that. Yes, teacher Isaac, mm. um, please raise your hand so that I can be able to know so, uh, you would like to speak before. Thank you. Yes, Isaac, please go ahead. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, um, Isaac. Uh, there's an activity I'm trying to do on Zoom with my students. And what other activity can we do on Zoom? Which one, which one, what have you tried so that at least we know now what else we can do? I've, I've shown them a video. Mm -hmm. Yes, I've, we've tried this in YouTube. Yes. Okay. Um, Esther, please, if you may. Then now if there's something left out, I can help Isaac. Okay. Hi, Isaac. Isaac is my former student. So I'm glad to see him. So Isaac, uh, I, it would help if uh, I would know the, the level of your, of your children, because uh, not for children with special needs, uh, not everything uh, would, would fit them. It's not what you call one size fits all. So for you to be able to determine what uh, activity you will do on, on Zoom with your student. It will help that if you have, uh, if you have the, of course, the, 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 the schemes of work, you have the, the lesson plan, and you have, uh, you have the objectives that uh, you intend to, to, to meet for your students. So once you have the, the, the course outline that uh, has the topics, then that will, will inform the skills and the knowledge that you want to impart on your on your learners. Then from there, that will help you come up with them with activities that will help you achieve those the skills and the knowledge that you want to teach. Thank you, Isaac. Okay. Uh, the other thing uh, I would also realize the activities. There are some that are online uh, that can engage um uh children depending also it varies because uh the challenge like i said earlier of one size fits all becomes uh quite 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 hard to say like if i do this maybe all of them will be interested so you find maybe when you're doing the videos there's a child who'd rather do poetry instead of that there's a child who would like animation someone else would like to relate with uh, videos that are more of child, real children engaging. So I believe there is a lot of variance. So if you mix them up, I, then at least you'll be able to handle every different child differently, because that's one of the things I realized and one of the challenges we go through. And uh, here the limitation for us as caregivers, let's say something like TV they, and our children, remember we also have typical children that we have to look out for. So this one wants to watch this and engage in this, this other one wants something totally different. So that's some of the challenges that we go, we go through. And I believe what, what personally I've tried to do is teach them turn taking. So if, if, if you ask them what they want, they tell you exactly, let's say one wants um, 
let's say Peppa Pig, the other one once. Uh, my son is a big fan of news. I never understand what that is all about, but he would mm-hmm. want to watch news. <laughs> he will tell you exactly, I want uh, Babu, I want, you know, Citizen and stuff like that. He's not Babu, but he knows exactly what it is that he wants. So um, I have uh, Rose, who has uh, mentioned that uh, the son is 14. He's come with a longer concentration span. He's been writing alphabets and numbers like forever now, like seven years. He doesn't seem to know the value of numbers or letters. How can I help him? He's willing to learn and I am also willing to assist, I believe. Mm-hmm. Esther, that's All right. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Rose, uh, for that uh, question. And uh, so I see your son is 14 and he's been learning for like seven years now. So that means he joined school while he was around seven. And um, so you say he's been writing alphabets and numbers and uh, has not yet mastered number value and uh, on the meaning of letters. And um, so you want to know how he can be helped to learn and the fact that the willingness is, is there. So when it comes to uh, teaching number value uh, for children, especially for children with uh, profound uh, learning challenges, I know that's, that's a real challenge. And uh, as much as uh, maybe the child may have uh, what we call rote learning of, of numbers and letters, where they can even sequence, they can say the numbers, um, and, and that is always the, the, the starting point because that's the fundamental of, uh, of uh, numeracy skills. And most of the learners will, will, will be able to rote uh, count and uh, even rote uh, say the, the, the letters. However, the next step now from there, is of course attaching meaning to those uh, letters and, and numbers, and that's where uh, the, the the value of the numbers uh, come in. So if it is one, and uh, yes, they can be able to say number one, but would they attach meaning to that uh, one? Because one is a symbol, so but it has a meaning. So if you ask them, maybe bring me one cup. If uh, the child is able to bring one cup, that tells you that they they have the value of the number, bring two, two, two bananas. Uh, but what I've found is uh, with children with uh, multiple and uh, profound learning challenges, uh, most of them are not able to transition beyond the, 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 the basics of road counting. And uh, sometimes it can be very frustrating for the child and uh, even for the, for the parent and even sometimes for the teachers. And uh, so one of the things that, um, that helps when uh, you're trying to teach uh, number value is to try and now use uh, objects. Uh, because if probably you try to explain in words, that's a very abstract uh, concept for a child who may be having learning issues. So it would help if you can now try to attach that number to objects. So if it's number one and you put one object against that number, they may they will be able to see the relationship. If it's number five and you try to attach five objects, that may help. And in most cases, because your son 
is, uh, is, is a bit older, uh, it, it helps if you're able to also use maybe uh, uh, what you call realia or real objects. So it could be objects uh, found in the house, in the kitchen. Uh, but uh, I know even in, uh, you may have tried this and uh, maybe it is still not uh, working. And uh, I, I, I have, um, I know I've even uh, students who are 20 years plus and uh, even with all, with many years of trying to teach them the uh, number value and, uh, and, and reading because once you can, you can say the letters, uh, you, you can, say the letters of the alphabet, the next thing is now trying to blend those, or first of all, to even attach meaning to those letters. What sounds do those letters make? Then blending those sounds to make words. So I know I, I, I know we have uh, quite a number of, of, of students with significant learning challenges who are not able to make that leap from uh, the, the, the basic uh, phonetics to learning the phonics or other uh, sounds to be able to go to the next step of learning words and maybe constructing sentences, paragraphs and reading stories. So when it gets to that, I, my advice is once you're able to maybe use real objects to be able to attach value to the numbers, it, it helps. But uh, I also want to be very realistic that uh, we have uh, cases where the learners are not able to transition. And, and I don't want to discourage any parent, but uh, I also want to, to, to capture all the scenarios that uh, we have uh, when teaching children with special needs. So if it doesn't go beyond um, just maybe counting and the child is not able to make that leap to the next um, level of, of, of skills building, is uh, apparent. Uh, I, I always say that uh, there's something else maybe your child can do because life is not all about uh, maybe now number work or, or, or literacy. So maybe is there any other skill that the child can be able to do? So could it be music? Could it be sports? And uh, let, let's focus on uh, what is working and, and as opposed to what is not working. And we define the child uh, in, in, by what they are, they are able to do and what they are good at as opposed to what they are not able to do and maybe invest so much uh, in it, but eventually there's not that breakthrough. So that is always my advice because I think uh, there's always the law of compensation that if one area is not working, there's another one that uh, the child can thrive very, very well in. And God is also a very fair God. So he always makes sure that he compensates us for something that may be missing out. So Rose, that would be my advice to your son. Thank you. Okay. Uh, that's, that's awesome. Um, just thinking, I see a lot of times when, when in the groups, when we are sharing, like my, my, my child is able to do this, and another child is able to do this. And then it becomes a discouragement for parents whose children have not been able to meet any milestones. And uh, there comes moments when you get phone calls from fellow uh, caregivers and you, you want to, to guide, you want to, because when someone asks you, how did you get your child to start writing for something like that? We know there is the aids for the gripping uh, that are not easily, readily available here. Um, 
how how would how would you put it like what is the best way apart from uh consistency what are the, some of the things that we can do like right now at home to encourage that continuity now that we do not have therapy because you see fine motor skills uh is being enhanced uh during the therapy sessions speech is being enhanced during speech and of course that conversation they usually have with other children and for us because of the risk of having our children outside we will find that we'd rather keep our kids at home no matter what instead of putting them at risk and taking them outside so what would be your other what's the best way to continue with some of um some of these things that will be beneficial directly or indirectly to be able to build our children up. All right, thank you very much, Sylvia. And uh, I, I, I think there are many practical uh, strategies that uh, parents can use. And uh, that's where um, I started by saying uh, that it is very important as a parent, if that, um, that support service that your child was receiving has been uh, cut off due to school closures. It helps that uh, you, you keep engaging with your therapist because uh, yes, there are, those, um, the, the, are those milestones that the child uh, maybe has, ha, had already received. There's the plan, the, the, the treatment or the intervention plan that the therapist may have already created. And uh, you've talked about consistency and it is very important that uh, maybe that uh, plan is consistently followed so that uh, maybe uh, parents are not uh, left on their own devices to be able to determine, so what is it uh, that uh, I need to do? Because where there's a plan, it, uh, it can be very seamless. Uh, where the, the, the therapist shares the plan and that plan should come with the activities that uh, the child uh, can do to be able to achieve uh, the, the skills or the milestones that they want the child uh, to achieve. But in the absence of that, because I don't want to assume that uh, every child has a therapist and every parent is working with a therapist who can guide them on that. So for, for instance, um, when it comes to uh, the fine motor skills, there are many activities that um, as a parent you can, uh, you can use to develop and enhance the motor skills. So one of the things that uh, we always encourage, and especially for the younger children, is the Play-Doh, or what they call the modeling clay, the, the plasticine. So that's a very important uh, resource uh, to, to, to help the children developing the motor skills. And, and the beauty is as they are rolling it, as they are molding it, it helps with the fine motor skills. But another beauty with Play-Doh, is uh, for those that are still learning their, the numbers, they're learning their letters. It, it, it's also, it's, it, because it's very, vast, it's, it's very versatile. So there are many, many activities you can do with the Play-Doh. So the children can form the letters, they can form the numbers, and while at it, as they're cutting, as they're shaping the numbers, as they're shaping the letters, that's how you actually develop um, the motor skills. So Play-Doh is a very important uh, resource that every parent should have, and not actually, not only for the special needs parents, every child who has, um, the child at that uh, young age, that is a very important resource to have. Uh, cutting uh, papers using scissors, and of course, uh, this has to be child-friendly scissors. Again, we don't want to run into accidents. So we have plastic uh, scissors or very uh, child-friendly scissors 
that are available uh, in, uh, in, in the stores, textbook center, and even some supermarkets. I know they store them. So cutting helps. And the beauty with cutting is that, uh, yes, uh, even as they are cutting, for those probably that would be able to cut along the line, uh, you can uh, uh, give them papers with pictures and um, and uh, maybe ask them to sort those pictures as they cut them or, or as you help them to, to cut. Let uh, So there's another skill there that you'll be teaching. So you, you can actually maybe look for, for a magazine or a, a newspaper and uh, maybe you theme the activity. So probably it could be fruits and or, or, or plants or, or, or people, family members, so that it's not just uh, cutting alone. Remember we said you have to you have to arouse the interest of the child. So if they feel they're just cutting papers, uh, they, they, may, they may lose that, the interest uh, within a very short time. But if you add flavor to that activity by bringing maybe uh, papers that have uh, pictures so that we will cut the picture and maybe create a scrapbook and uh, maybe page one will be about fruits. So we, once we cut the fruits, we'll, we'll stick and paste them. Then uh, page two will be about family members. So they will uh, cut uh, a mother, a father, and children. So, uh, so in that, there's a lot of, uh, the, 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 there are a lot of skills that the, the, the child will be learning. Uh, so you develop them, the, the, the motor skills, but there are also other skills, sorting skills, and uh, other skills that the child is learning. So that is uh, usually very important. Another, May I, may I interject on that point so that at least we can, the challenge I've, I've seen when it comes to scissors and, and, and cutting and tearing paper, yes. uh, how do we teach them boundaries? Because well, it, these are things now I see, probably I understand they do in school, but now mm -hmm. like when my son comes to the house, any book starts being torn. Like you give him a book to try and just look at the photos, this starts the business. So I'm even afraid of buying any more. And also when it comes to scissors, there is that fear that, you know, they're, they're telling them the difference that there is scissors for what you do in school and there is the scissors for home. Because you find them with scissors if they find them. Uh, let's say you leave the room door open. How do we create that um, boundary for them to understand? Not every newspaper needs to get cut. Not every book is supposed to be torn. How, how do we teach them that uh, level? Yes, it, it, uh, for that, I think it depends on the level of uh, understanding. So for those uh, children that uh, can understand, you can actually give the instructions. But it would also help maybe if you can have the papers or the books that you want them cut uh, on the, at their reach. Then anything else that you don't want cut. Uh, if the child does not have that understanding that uh, selectively there's what is to be cut and there's what cannot be cut. If they don't have that kind uh, of understanding, it, it, it would help if you can keep uh, anything that you don't want to uh, cut out of their reach and uh, whatever it is that uh, you want them to cut, uh, it, it is within their reach. And probably just like I said, creating a learning space. If what you want cut can be in a place that is part of their learning space. And so they know whatever mama has put here, it has her stamp that it can be cut. And uh, anything that cannot be cut is not in the learning space. Same as scissors, and not just scissors, because uh, there are many dangerous tools that we have uh, in the house. And so for children who do not have the understanding that um, 
the tools can be dangerous, it, they, they can be uh, detrimental to their safety, it, it will help that you keep those, uh, those, those kind of tools out of their reach. So I think uh, for those that have understanding, you'll explain, but for those, it's a matter of just ensuring that uh, what is uh, not safe for them is out of reach for them. Thank you. Because that's what we do in school. That's what we do in school. And, and it has worked uh, very well. And of course, the beauty is even for children uh, on the autism spectrum, as much as they may be nonverbal, the beauty is they have the receptive language. So I'm sure you, you'll be able to explain to Andrew, Andrew, this is not to be cut. So even if maybe he may not um, express himself, he may have understood uh, the, the instruction. But if he doesn't, then as we said, keep it out of his reach. Super. Do we have any other question or contribution or challenge? But I'm seeing uh, teacher Isaac is back. He, apparently he got knocked off before we could finish uh, el elaborating. The question was what, what he can do with his students on Zoom. So I don't know if he had heard what we said earlier. Um, but before that, there activities. is... Activities. Uh, yes, activities. Okay, so there is Activities. one question. My son is five with ability to focus and always on the go. He's nonverbal and has poor fine motor skills. He, he loves singing and unusual skill playing football when he's when he was uh, from one to three years before his skills started disappearing. What can I do to ensure he does not forget his skills? All right, um, I'm trying to read the chat. If you can give me two seconds to just read the chat. So in, in the meantime, let me respond to Isaac. Isaac, we had said that um, there is the... Hello, Isaac? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right, I was saying uh, there is the need to have variety because you have variety in also in the students that you're interacting with. So whatever activities that you download um, on Zoom, because you see it's the same thing. If you usually have computer classes in, in school, if you have Zoom, that means you can access the same activities by sharing your screen. Yeah, so it does not limit you as a teacher of what activities you can actually do with them because you see it's 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 uh, depending on if it's if it's sing along if it's poetry if it is mm. so if you share your screen with them the same way right now you're able to see me and they can see you so whatever mm. activities that you want them to to engage in let's say if it's a sing along and you know they thrive on that yes. uh, petition so they will be able to see what is going on on the screen and do the same so maybe that's one of the things that you can do and also just make it variable so that at least you you cater for all all levels of interest uh, amongst your group depending on how many you're handling at a go yes esther all right yes i think uh, that's very important advice to to isaac and uh, i cannot emphasize more so back to Brenda uh, on her son who is five and has ability to focus and um, has poor fine motor skills. So she says that the, the son uh, was very good at playing football 
and uh, that skill is disappearing and she's asking what can be done so that uh, he does not forget his skill. So for any child, not just child uh, with uh, special needs, skill development and not just for a child, for anybody, even for us, the grown-ups, skill development thrives on consistency. So of course, consistency and, and interest and of course the practice and uh, what, what happens with our children is uh, because in most cases skills development may not be automatic uh, just like uh, uh, like it is for typical learners and um, so that means that uh, there has to be a lot of work that uh, goes into skills development and uh, one of the things uh, that um, you have to do as a parent and uh, as the teacher for your parent is to ensure that uh, once uh, you you if, if there's a skill that you want your child uh, to to develop it will help that um, you devise all strategies to be able to bring that skill out to be able to develop the skill so you you've got to to come up with strategies that will help uh, the child practice the skill so like football is a practical skill so if your child uh, had interest because uh, a skill like uh, football has to start with the interest and the passion so if that interest is there it becomes very easy to develop the skill so then once the interest uh, has uh, been identified so the next thing is to develop the skill now the tech the technicality or the practicality of it so of course through practice and then the practice has to come with consistency so that uh, the child is not practicing today then uh, the next time he's practicing is maybe after a month so that consistency really helps and um, another thing it is one thing to have uh, interest and it's another to sustain or to maintain that interest. So it also helps if you realize that your child has uh, an interest in some skill that uh, you offer a lot of uh, positive reinforcement in, in terms of uh, encouragement, uh, praising them, or even in, at the risk of sounding like uh, you're bribing the child, which, should in, which is not the case, uh, giving them some rewards uh, once in a while, and especially where you notice effort that the child has gone out of their way they have put in extraordinary effort there's no harm in in rewarding them so that is one way of the ways that i encourage parents to 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 develop skills and not just even the extracurricular skills even academic skills so start by developing the interest then the practice then the consistency then uh, with that, at least uh, you are on a sure journey of, uh, of growing that skill. Thank you, Sylvia. You're muted, Sylvia. You're muted. Yes, thank you. I was avoiding outside noise interrupting. Okay. So Pauline um, had her hand up. I hope she's ready to speak, Pauline. I have unmuted you. Hello, Pauline? can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you, Pauline. Um, 
so I just wanted to add on to what you're telling uh, Isaac about uh, the activities they can do online. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we've been doing in my school is using PowerPoint. So let's say if it's a topic on birds, the teacher can get many pictures of different birds and put them on the slides and, and show the children and ask them what bird is this. So they're really making good use of the PowerPoint. Um, and another thing is we send children, the parents, like things to print out so we can even do cutting and sticking. So for example, one of the lessons was um, on Noah's Ark and we sent parents animals in pairs. So the children got to cut and stick on uh, Noah's boat. So those are some of the things I, I was just wanted him to know. Uh, examples of things you can also do during the Zoom classes. That is awesome. I had not even thought about that <laughs> as one of the ways um, of things that can be done. Now, I have someone in our space who is a champion for cerebral palsy. He has uh, been able to beat the odds because this is just to encourage another caregiver, another parent. So amongst us, we have uh, Kamonyo, who are, currently works for Communications Authority of Kenya, and he's, uh, he has cerebral palsy. So even as we're talking about uh, um, challenges that our children are going through and uh, the discouragement that parents usually feel, uh, I would like for him to just share his experience, how school was, how hard it was or how easy it was and what keeps him going. I know one of the things, it always takes that parent who does not give up on their child and believes in them. But I'm sure that is extraordinary to get to the level because he has also gone all the way up to university. So Kamonyo, uh, we will be patient with Kamonyo. We all understand. So Kamonyo, it's your turn. Kindly speak. One second, uh, let me, I, I unmute you. I can't hear you. I don't know why it's refusing to unmute. Unmute yourself, Kamonyo, please. Karongo, are you able to unmute yourself? Because I'm unmuting and it's not, it's not actioning you. Call. Okay, go go ahead. We can hear you. Amazi kadugu kamuyo. Me what? What I can say? I was in a special school throughout my writing. Whether was a good such, even when the teachers while writing notes. You see the way some people are fast in writing notes. So we in the evening are you to are you to borrow a class with book to write notes. But I was able to get up to KCP in 
KCP, we were, I remember it, our class, we were two of us who couldn't write us fast. So we had to go to see a doctor who actually wrote a report of me and my class and we were given extra time. Even in, in high school, we were given extra time. Now, I came to a time that I needed to find up to go to college. Through a friend of mine called Ivanoike of Ecot Special Tutorials, we were, I was able to, to enroll to a college which, which was digital and advisory and Running center. Now, the good thing about it was now my assignments I used to type them as a bit ordered. Then I used to type projects and submit ordered up to my degree, then I was able to get internship at Communication Commission of Kenya for three months, which later when it ended, I was told to go and get my bachelor's degree. When I finished, I wrote back to them and I was called back on the 16th of March 2016 as a contract, which later I got employed in 2017. Thank you. Thank you, Kamunio. That is quite encouraging. Uh, maybe I could just engage you a bit and ask uh, a question. Do you, do you believe, uh, even for other students right now with cerebral palsy and challenges of uh, fine motor skills, if they were able to be given assistive devices, in this, in this case, looking at maybe if instead of having to work extra in the evening catching up with notes, if you had an auditory recorder, if your exam was done digitally like one-on-one -on -one where you were able to respond directly, do you believe that would have made the difference for you? Yes. Okay. And I, and I also think if I had a one-on-one with a teacher, the way like I can sit with you and have a conversation. If I had 
something like that, I could have even done better. But the issue is you are a class of 21 people. So how do are you able to choose the Karugu and we teach him what or what? So I think now for the teachers to be a proud boy is every school and I also believe that if a school has a maximum of 20 teachers, I believe like Eleven of them should be teachers who have had special needs. So that when the other students are going forward, these teachers can sit one on one with a student. Okay, thank you. And do you believe, um, was the curriculum inclusive? You mentioned you were in a special school. Did, when you were do, sitting for your KPP, did you feel like um, you were at equal or would you have preferred it was any other way in terms of um, the excuse, the, 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 at least the allowance they gave you extra time? What, what else did you find as a challenge that you would have preferred if something was done in, in line with that. Yeah, no. Okay, like me, what I, I was told, you see, like for the papers with half choices, I was told to think on the on the on the question answer. So what I can say, okay, you see when they do it KCP, you're given an answer sheet, which has number one up to fifty. That on each number that is A, B, C, and D. So what happens, happens in mind? I used to read my index number and my name. Then I'm told back on the question paper. And I'm on the question paper, they used to table it together and go with them. Ah, okay. So at least there was there was some consideration you would say, yes? Yes. 
that worked perfectly. Okay, yeah. thank you for enlightening us. So I know most of us as parents, we always think about what lies in the future and we get scared. What message would you have for us who are feeling afraid, like there is no inclusive future for our children? And also, also tell us your, your, your degrees, which degrees uh, and the masters that you did, so that at least uh, believe a parent or a teacher somewhere will be able to encourage uh, another. What I can say for the parents, never give up. You can see your child is not coming up, but he will soon come up and he or she will be able to tell you, Mama, what is this? So I've done, I've, I've done a budget as in business administration faculty of entrepreneurship and small business management. Hey, well done and congratulations. That's quite encouraging. And I like the spirit that you also did not give up because sometimes maybe as a parent, you might want to push your child, but if your child did not uh, also in the space to keep going, then it will not uh, come to fruition. Um, since there are no more questions, I believe we can wind up. Also our time, we always say one and a half hours. I know we can do this over and over again. So next week we shall be having our missing guests, same time, same place. So that, uh, or we shall communicate if there's a special request to adjust the time so that we can be very inclusive considering of the difference in time zone. So don't miss out as we will have, uh, um, we will have our guest still here because I'm sure we were looking forward to have that conversation and just hear from a different uh, side of the world because you know, they, we are now speaking in our African and Kenyan context. So if we hear what exactly the states, the people in the states are doing and we see if there is a difference or if there are things that we can improve on and then learn from it. So uh, Esther, thank you very much for taking your time to be with us for enlightening us. And uh, sorry. And for enlightening us in all this, I think the presidential address has just started four minutes ago. So as to allow all of us to get a catch up mm -hmm. on what is going on with the mm -hmm. current situation, we shall end our meeting. And I'd like to say a big thank you. I don't forget, watch out on our, follow us on Twitter because we always have conversation going on on inclusion. We are having small and big wins, as you have seen. Uh, we were given an opportunity as caregivers to now be part of the cushion funds that the government has. So all our, our advocacy and, and making noise is not in vain. And we shall continue doing the same until we are fully, fully included. So on Twitter, we are Andy Speaks 4. On Instagram, it's Andy Speaks. And on uh, YouTube, Andy Speaks for Special Needs Persons. And 4 is number 4 because we focus on four pillars and also four issues. And at the same time, on uh, Facebook, we have a group also where you get a lot of information and uh, uh, latest one-on-one -on -one conversations on what's going on and updates on where you can benefit and get support. So be sure to follow us and join us. And if you'd like to also be a volunteer to Andy Speaks, because it's a 
purely voluntary basis organization, you can always DM us and we shall add you on the list. When life resumes near normal, then you at least can come in and support. For this weekend, we have an activity. We shall be supporting uh, caregivers in Mukuru Kwanjenga with medication, sanitary, uh, sanitary wear, sanitizer and uh, food. So if anyone would like to join in as the community of Andy Speaks, do be sure to let me know in the various groups that we have. So have a fabulous weekend. Don't forget what Essie said. Essie said, don't forget yourself. Respect is important. And when your child just doesn't feel it, respect it and reschedule. It's never that serious is what I always tell myself when I feel like I'm being a, I'm failing when I don't uh, stick to the routine of what the boys have to do. Thank you very much and we love you. Have a fabulous weekend. Bye. Thank you.